and that says a lot. Here comes McCready. Oh, he just sucked the gravity right out of the building. Welcome back to Not Your Weekly Sports Pod. Before I bring in what is the second half of a Persian pie, as my co-host Nabil The Real Deal is missing today and subbing in as my Persian brother Arash Dabiri, Papa Dabiri, I always pride myself on having some pretty good trivia for the listeners. And Arash, I'm putting you on the spot here as I do with all my co-hosts. The topic of today's podcast is going to be our young Houston Rockets and a young team comprised of four 19-year-old rookies. Really the first time I can remember the Rockets had rookies on a roster that were teenagers during my fandom. Arash, can you name the last season that the Houston Rockets had a teenager on their team? Hey, uh, let me think for a second. Good to be back. Last time they had a teenager on the team, was it Montrez? No, Montrez was like 21 when he was drafted. It was the 0-1-0-2 season. You ready for this? Eddie Griffin. Tell me. Eddie Griffin. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> Only the truest Rockets fans who remember the Shark Rocket days. Uh, would actually get that reference. But in any case, we bring a pair of fresh Persians on this episode to discuss one of the freshest teams, one of the youngest teams, one of the most promising teams in the NBA, your Houston Rockets, as we give one last final season preview of the team that has really sent us on a roller coaster of emotions these last 12 to 14 months. So, Arash, I just want to open this pod by asking you, man, about one year ago today – when the Houston Rockets were going through the James Harden debacle, Russell Westbrook demanded out, got his wish in a trade to Washington for John Wall. Then James Harden comes out and carries on the circus that he did to force his way out of Houston after Daryl Morey steps down as GM of the team. Where was your <laughs> – I know, that's a lot to unpackage. Where was your head in regards to the state and the PR – of the Houston Rockets one year ago, and then kind of talk me through where you're at right now in relation to that. So, you know, like a lot of time, like the word fan comes from fanatic, meaning like you're not really in touch with reality that much. Every team, like every fan thinks their team is going to win this season. Like fucking Brooklyn, Milwaukee, LA, Clippers, every single team thinks it. Thinks it. So, you know, as a Rockets fan, I'm excited too. I'm thinking, all right, Rockets, like, you know, we got John Wall. He might fit better with uh, with Harden. You know, he's pretty good. We got DeMarcus Cousins. He could be good. Silas, no, not, I mean, new coach too, you know, like everything's just new. Like, so let's see, let's see where we go. I mean, I wasn't expecting us to make a deep run, but, you know, you think the sky's the limit when you get like maybe a healthy John Wall and a healthy DeMarcus Cousins with a J- James Harden, but you see Billy Harden coming in. You see one or two games go on. You see us get, like, lose to the Lakers, like, get dominated by the Lakers back-to-back five, seven games into the season. And you're like, yo, that's it. Season's over. I mean, I don't know. You can, I kind of, like, a little bit, you stop watching less. You stop paying attention less. You just – you see Christian Wood. You're, like, kind of excited for this young guy. You're like, okay, we could see something happen. Then you get KPJ. You're like, all right, like, 
we lost the future, but hey, we picked some, something up. And now you get like all these new exciting pieces, man. Like, yeah, last season it was lost hope, but now today is a new hope. That's what oh, we wow. today, in my opinion. Wow. Okay, we're going back to the Star Wars trilogy. This is the new hope. So who's the who's the lead Jedi? Who's Luke Skywalker on this team? Is it Jalen Green or KPJ? Or dare I say, is it Jashan Tate? Or is it Shengen? I don't know. It could yeah, be you're anyone. you're high on the young Turk. The the little Persian man in you is coming out. Okay, so the hardest part I feel like of last year, and by the way, that's a year like you mentioned, like you laid out that timeline where a lot of NBA national media guys were saying that, wow, what a disaster the Houston situation is. Like, you know, Raphael Stone, the GM of the team, is on the hot seat after just attaining the title of GM. His first few months in, somehow he's on the hot seat. Silas has to be on the hot seat. He's got to be on his way out. They don't even know if they have their first-round pick this year. And then all these series, all these series of events, you get a diamond in the rough in, in wood, right? KPJ falls into your lap. God bless the locker of Torian Prince. Despite opening day, the Timberwolves destroying the Houston Rockets. I will forever bless you for giving us KPJ. Then you have all these younger guys. You know, KJ Martin develops into what he is. Jashawn Tate. 25-year-old rookie out of the Australian League coming in and getting an all-rookie spot on the team and then turning in on what I consider one of the best drafts that I can remember in my lifetime as a Houston Rockets fan. So the state of the team is promising, and like you said, Arash, there's a, there's a lot of reason to have hope for a few Jedi on, these, on this team. So before we can get into those members, I feel like the one kind of looming – uncertainty as to the Rockets in this roster really has to be John Wall, man. That John Wall contract is something else. $40 million a year for this year and next year. Next year's a player option. There's no reason he's not going to pick up the player option, seeing as how he's not a $40 million a year player anymore. Um, and so the team has agreed with John Wall that they're just not going to play him. And John Wall, by the way, is okay with that, just to kind of put that out there. Arash, Moving on from John Wall's contract, potentially moving on from Eric Gordon, two of the big real salary burdens you have on this team really opens up time for the younger guys on this team. And we're going to go through those younger guys. You know, we'll talk about the roster. We'll talk about potential moves and draft picks and future stuff in a little bit. But, you know, this is the podcast to kind of look at the rotation as we have it and see what we have and make some predictions about what we have with some categories and kind of look back on it and see how accurate we were. So you want to start the center position. And this is a player that kind of raised eyebrows, particularly with you. I remember talking to you about this when we first got him. Tell me a little bit about Daniel Tice. Where do you see him? You know, they signed him to that eight milli year, four year contract, pretty good money. They brought him in as the starting center on this team. Uh, and I put a question mark next to him on the outline of this pod because, honestly, I don't know what the future of Daniel Tice is with this team. I don't, I'm not sure the Rockets know either with the development of certain pieces they have. Uh, but where do you see him fitting in? You know, I think uh, he's fairly tall. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I kind of did question it. Like, okay, so we have Shangun, we got Christian Wood. 
and now we have him and you know we've kind of paid him a solid amount of money and you have kpj who sometimes like rockets like to stick at the power forward position so you got like whenever they run a smaller lineup kj martin you uh, mean right yeah 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 kj martin i'm sorry okay i said pj martin right yeah i mean kj martin Sometimes, like when they run a small, and rightly, rightly so, like he had two blocks on Gobert, I think last, three blocks on Gobert, stuffed them at the rim last season. He so took he heads. Play. Yeah, yeah, he really did. So I was kind of questioning that signing, but hope I like in the opener last uh, was it last night? Yeah, he had that three corner three. So I think you could kind of like I think they were thinking maybe you want to get tall. So maybe they want to run two centers, maybe Shangun, Wood, and him, and like a power forward, go get kind of tall because the league is getting tall. You know, the Lakers are fairly tall. You have Anthony Davis, you have Dwight Howard, you have LeBron James. You could have all these three players on the field at the same time. Or, you know, if you're Denver Nuggets, you have Jokic, you have Aaron Gordon, even Michael Porter Jr. is fairly tall. I think I'm missing a few. Other if they have Millsap too, right? He's fairly tall. I don't know if they still have Millsap, but they're tall teams. Same with the Bucks too. So I think maybe the reason is we wanted to get tall and have players that could kind of extend the floor. So maybe that's why we we signed him. I think he's been averaging like around like thirty five percent or thirty three percent for his career, thirty four percent for his career. So he's not a bad three point shooter, but. Yeah, I'm not so sure about him. Yeah, it's, you know, a four-year contract, eight mil a year for a guy who's played in playoff rotations, for a guy who, you know, has all the intangibles, good locker room guy. I think if Alperin Shangun turns out to be the answer, like a lot of us think he is, that's going to be an easy contract to move on from. So I'm not concerned. I think Tice is the perfect kind of placeholder transition guy that – allows Christian Wood not to be as exposed as we saw him be exposed in certain points last year where he was going up against the more physical centers and couldn't hold his own, at least post-ankle injury. So we'll see. Um, but right behind him, man, is the guy that we just mentioned, Alperin Shangun, Al P. Houston. You'll make me so happy. Tell me about what I think is the favorite player on this Rockets team from your heart, Arash. Tell me about the young Turk, the MVP of the Turkish league, which, by the way, is the third most competitive league in the world. It's the NBA Euro League, then the Turkish league. So that's no small feat for an 18-year-old kid to win the MVP and then head straight to the NBA. Tell me how you feel about young Alpi, the future center, I think, of this Houston Rockets team. Yeah, you know, like looking at his, like what he averaged in Turkey, you got to be like, okay, this kid, and he's so young. How old is he? Like 19 right now? He's 19. They're all the rookies are 19. And he, and he just turned 19 in July. He was born in 2002. So, like, I guess last time, or uh, who was it? Eddie, who did you say was the last? Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin, yeah. Like, Eddie Griffin, he, played, he was drafted in 2001. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, this yeah. guy was this guy was born in 2002. So like, <laughs> he's super freaking young. He was born a year after that, and he averaged in Turkey as an 18 year old kid. Imagine like in the professional league overseas, you're going against grown men. You're going against men who are 
barely stronger than you. And you're a kid, you're an 18 year old kid. You just finished learning about algebra and geometry and maybe calculus. Like that's what you literally just finished doing. And he, he was averaging 18.6, nine rebounds, basically 2.7 assists, 1.3 steals, a block and a half. That's really good. None of those stats, none of those stats matter if he doesn't bring his translator to every press conference. Do you remember this? <laughs> God, do you remember the storm that she created on social media? His English I'm translator. Not sure. I'm not sure. No. Oh, it's a be- beautiful young woman. Uh, <laughs> she was she was the real highlight of draft night for Houston fans. But yeah, man. Um, I think just the skill, the strength that he has, man, when Alpi gets the ball at the high post, that one dribble, spin, turn around, and then he does all those little scola up fake, head hezos, twists, shoulder switches, and gets to his spot. It's really reminiscent of kind of a mix of Luis Scola and Donatus Matayunas, the Demo days, mixed in with just a dirty, sweaty Turkish grit. Uh, that us Iranians are used to fighting in the wrestling arena back to ancient times with. Yeah, I'm really high on him. Uh, so, like, someone who you could kind of compare him to, but it's kind of unfair. I mean, they play different position, but they play similar styles. And it's it's that high IQ, high, like, passing ability, and high, like, just high IQ of the game and high feel for the game. Him and Luca, like, both of them as young people, dominating the pros before coming into the NBA. young young professionals is what the word yeah, you're looking for yeah and this guy over here he so like his idol he idolized uh Jokic Sangun he was like I think he said he was, he was like I want to be one of like the one of like the stars of the team you know and I'm going to become one of the stars of the team like like on who he kind of modeled his game after he was like man I love Jokic he's like that's that's what I idolized yeah, no, I want to be like a super, like a star, like him. Yeah, and not to spend too much time on Alper and Shingun, but I mean, while we're here, man, and we start throwing out season awards for the Houston Rockets, we're not doing NBA season awards for the whole league. I think that's a tired podcast trope, but we are doing it for your Houston Rockets. And believe it or not, man, I think year one, Alper and Shingun is the rookie of the year for the Rockets out of these four first rounders. Uh, hot take or not, I think he's the guy that's going to settle into the position that's the most vacant, which is the center position of this team. And like you said, I think his IQ, his playmaking ability, his his proclivity to passing and moving the offense is something that Paul Silas is going to thirst for uh, when he sees some of these lineups that are unable to put points on the board like we saw in their opener versus uh, the T-Wolves. Yeah, his athleticism is like also underrated too. Like last night, he had a solid putback dunk. Like I think he shot a three, and he just came in from far behind. Got the oh, ball, dude! Ha- in. Like, okay, ha- I didn't. When I looked up his highlight tapes uh, out of the draft, I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about him. A lot of his highlights were just slams, were, <laughs> were like yeah. posters, he's, and he's you didn't expect that. Too. Yeah, so his defenses, defensive concerns, which the scouts harped on. Uh, weren't as concerning to me. I mean, this is a 19-year-old kid, his first game in the pro. He's on the road up against an all-world talent in Carl Anthony Towns, and he didn't look like a fool. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns definitely abused him and took advantage of him in certain opportunities, but the team from the eye test, at least from what I saw, the team looked better with Alperin Shangun on the court. 
So yeah. there you have it. That's my rookie of the year. Like exactly. Not, not like a kid scared in the limelight. So bro, let's yeah. go to the power forward position here. This is one that I put long-term question mark next to, I don't know, man. I'm just going to throw the name out there. Just tell me your first impressions, but our 20 point 10 rebound a game guy who nobody around the league seems to be talking about Christian Wood. Yeah, man. Like the guy's the limit for Christian Wood too. He's also a professional on this. I think he's the one who needs to become the leader right now. I know he's super young, but he's the one who has to become the veteran, like to lead these guys at this point. He's a little bit older than KPJ and KPJ. I don't think he's there yet. His skill set might be, but you know, he's still a fairly young kid. He's just like getting his act together from like what, what we're like with the national census, the media census. Uh, but Christian, he's a professional too, and he's been getting better every day. I, I think there was a quote like he was saying, like Michael Jordan said something to him. It was like, hey man, like I don't know. Michael Jordan said something, something to him. I think because he was drafted by the Hornets, right? But he played for the Hornets a little bit. Yeah, I think he like, played for them. Since, yeah, he said ever since like that interaction with Michael Jordan, I just I was like, oh, I got to become more serious. And ever since then, if you look at his career, he's been getting better. And he's right now, in my opinion, the best player on the team. That could change in a matter of a week. But from like what we saw in the preseason, he's the best player on the team, and he needs to, in my opinion, he should lead the team. Yeah, look, 20 points and 10 rebounds in the NBA, that isn't, you don't just do that, right? That's not an easy task. You look at the list of guys who've done that in NBA history and they're impact players, typically impact players on winning teams. And so to have a guy like that on your roster who's 26 years old, which is the veteran of this team, I mean, you think about those Chris Paul, James Harden, Russell Westbrook Rockets teams, a 26-year-old guy would be like the youngest dude on that team. <laughs> yeah. and, and here you are. You're like the grizzled veteran with a cigar in your mouth in the locker room, 26-year-old on this team. He's on the, probably the best contract in the league right now, $11 million a year for a guy giving you 20 and 10, locked up this year and the next two years. Christian Wood is – far and away the MVP of this Rockets team while we're on the subject. Yeah. Now what that equates to, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of question marks on this roster about, you know, what do you have complementary to Christian Wood that creates winning basketball? And you, I think, have to have at least a perimeter playmaker in the way of a point guard. And we don't know if we have that yet. We'll get to the point guard position. Uh, I don't know if you have your long-term answer at point guard or if that long-term answer is yet to bloom like some seem to think, but Christian Wood, man, all-world talent, if he's healthy, I mean, he has to be an all-NBA player, right? 20 points, 10 rebounds on the numbers he gives you, that has to be an at least all-NBA third-team honors, right? Yeah, especially if he backs it up a little bit defensively as well. You know, you average like a block, 1.2 blocks, 1.3 blocks, maybe 0.7 or above steals per game. Yeah, you've got to. I mean, he also – he also averages some assists, too. He's, he's a pretty all-around player. And he can shoot the three as well. Like, in the past two seasons, he's shot the three above. Th he shot a .386 
his last season in Detroit. He played in 62 games, and then he shot at 37% last season in 41 games for Houston. So he can he's a fairly around the play. He should be an all-NBA player. He averaged 1.2 blocks per game last season. He and, bumps and that up to 1.4. You know, it's, it's, not just, it's not just the 37% from three. He does it on volume as well. You know, he averaged five yeah. attempts a game. So this is high-volume three-point percentage. And we saw in that opener – you know, we're recording this pod, by the way, just after the Rockets played their one opener against the T-Wolves and got absolutely wrecked. No knee-jerk reactions on the pod. Uh, but we saw, like, in the opener, those are shots that he creates. You know, they're not all just pick-and-pop open threes. A lot of these, Christian Wood's a seven-footer hitting step-backs on the defenders. So there you have it. I mean, the talent's all there. My question mark, Arash, with Christian Wood is – you know, when you get to that last year of his contract and he's going to demand a max deal and he'll be 28 going on 29 years old, your young guys are going to just start to be going into their own. Jalen Green, year three, Josh Christopher, Usman Garubo, Alperin Shangun, Kevin Porter Jr., KJ Martin, all these young guys are going to start to develop into what you think they're going to be. Is it more in your interest to pay a 29-year-old the max contract or are the Rockets going to look elsewhere with, you know, like we'll discuss in a little bit here, the, you know, absurd abundance of cap space that they're going to have? That's going to be the question. And as far as I'm concerned as a Rockets fan, I don't see any reason you don't sign Christian Wood and keep him here as he's shown all the signs of wanting to be a Houston Rocket. In my opinion, if he keeps his numbers up, if he keeps improving, you've got to sign him to a max. But you know, because if you don't, I mean, if he, if he keeps his numbers up, he's a poor man's Anthony Davis, which is a great piece to have. And it's a great, I mean, Anthony Davis is a champion. How many teams can say like they have a champion player? Not many teams can, have, can say they have a champion power forward. That's the second best player on their team. So same with him. He'd be a poor man's Anthony Davis. But uh, if he doesn't improve and he like stays stagnant, then he kind of becomes like a Kenneth Fareed. He has the potential to also turn into a Kenneth Fareed. You know, the guy who's coming up, like, as he's entering, like, around 26, 27, he's dominating the league. But if he starts to stagnate, and then you know, he decline fast if he stagnates, if you're not improving. So if he keeps if he keeps improving every season, then hell yeah, I, I say go for it. You give him the super max and you keep him because you know he's going to keep improving. At yeah. this age. All signs point to the positive, right? He started He started as a guy in college at UNLV who had question marks. You know, horrible draft position. Bounced around the league. G League, 10-day contracts. Finally made it. And now he's looking for the bag. I think he's going to keep improving. So let's move on here, man. Back up power forward here. I agree with you. I've got Jay Sean Tate. He's the starting small forward as well. But let's talk a little bit about one of the other 19-year-old guys on this roster. Usman Garubo playing out of Spain for this Houston Rockets team, already getting minutes on opening night on the 15-man opening day roster. Usman Garubo, I'll say this, of all the players on this Houston Rockets team, has the lowest ceiling, by far, lowest ceiling. He's, he's never going to be a superstar. He's never going to be a 20-10 and 10 player. He's never going to be a guy that anyone's excited. Like, no one's going to say, bro, we got the fucking Usman Garubo game tonight. Y'all better be ready. <laughs> No one's talking about him like that, but he's going to do his role and fulfill his position on this team 
as your defensive, gritty, all the small things guy better than anyone else they could have gotten at that point in the draft at pick number, what was it, 23, I believe, that they got yep. him. So I love Usman Garibo at this spot for the Rockets. I want to see him develop. I question whether or not he's going to stay in this rotation or he's going to get bounced down to the G League. I assume if any of the rookies do, it'll be him just because of the saturation of the position. Um, but yeah, man, I'm high on Garubo. I'm high for the role that he has in store for himself and the Rockets have in store for him going forward, even though we're not going to see the full exploitation of it this year. Yeah, man, shout out him. He had two blocks, one steal, two rebounds, one assist, two for three from the field in eight minutes, man. That's hustle. For a guy who, like, usually, like, on teams comes off the bench and doesn't – but, like, stays proficient like myself, stay efficient like myself defensively and offensively, hey, man, shout out. He had a good game last night. Usman, keep, keep playing the Arash Dabiri role. You know, you play it to a T – you keep might have up. a role. You might have a place in this league long term. So keep it up, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I played college basketball. Yeah, I w- we were both Division One uh, college intramural players. No, I really, I really did play college basketball for a bit. I played in Mexico for my med school, man. I went to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me share this story here with you. Just random fact. So yeah, like I just went to the gym. So like, so I'm in. The, I'm at the med school campus in Guadalajara at UAG. And shout out UAG, shout out UAG School of Medicine in Guadalajara. Next semester probably will be in Phoenix for me in the hospitals or maybe Vegas. We'll find out soon. But uh, yeah, like I just used to go to the main campus because I'm at the med school campus, main campus separate. I went to the uh, main campus to have a nice basketball court over there. And I was playing and I saw the main real team and I asked the coach, I'm like, hey, man, is it cool if I jump in practice with you guys? He's like, Sure. And then I jumped in and I did it for like two weeks. And then one of the guys was like, hey, you could just ask him to play on it. You're a student here. You practice with us. So I did. And he was like, sure. So I like showed up for like a few games. And then I broke my ankle. And then we stopped. And then COVID happened. So what a, what a fitting story to hear right before we talk about the player who's bounced around the most in Jay Shante going from Australia <laughs> to the NBA. But yeah. it really does parallel your story, Arash, going from Mexico <laughs> in med school, playing with the pros yeah, to breaking, breaking your ankle. No, playing with the college kids. But 25, like, hey, man, 25-year-old kid playing with college, college yeah. kids. And Jashon Tate, super old guy too, you know? Yeah, you definitely had a hairier chest than Jashon Tate, despite what you both went through. I'm sorry, I was 27. I'm tripping. I was 27 or 26. So, man, starting small forward for this team, Jashon Tate, like we mentioned with age being a constant theme here, 25-year-old rookie for the Houston Rockets. Bro, this guy comes in undrafted, and boom, all-NBA rookie first team, and really the heart of the Rockets last year. Even though it was a Rockets team that was historically bad, he was one of the reasons to keep tuning in. The energy, the grit, the engine that he gave you. Man, I've always said having a player like Draymond Green, a guy like, you know, Jay Sean Tate. You think about other teams recently that have that have done well, having that energy guy, the the one who annoys the hell out of you, a Patrick Beverly type, always the guy raises. Who's not afraid of LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and remember last year when James Harden was still on this team, a guy who's not yep. afraid of James Harden either. He 
went head to head with Harden at practice, had that whole debacle, had that whole media stir about James Harden threw the ball at him and he, he didn't take it well. Well, here you go. Now he's your backup. We're starting small forward, backup forward. And, you know, a key piece of this rotation, if they want to be competitive at all, is going to be Jay Sean Tate raising the floor for what they can do with his energy, both defensively uh, and really what he can give you as a playmaker at the four as well when you go small. So I love Jashon Tate. I love him for the value that the, the Rockets have him on, a three-year cheap, cheap deal. But Arash, I told you this before the pod, man. I think because of all that, these factors make him more inclined to be involved in a trade should the Rockets move on from John Wall or Eric Gordon. The team receiving a bad contract in the way of, say, 33-year-old Eric Gordon's four-year, 18-mil-a-year contract is going to want a return of a good contract as well to offset the burden of taking on a contract like said Eric Gordon or John Wall's contract. And I think Jay Sean Tate for a team like that, who provides a win now player, a locker room culture guy on a cheap deal kind of fulfills that role, man. So I warn Rockets fans don't fall in love with Jay Sean Tate. Um, But while he's here, man, I love every second of it. And I, I am unable to contain my excitement for what he gives us as a Houston Rocket right now, despite being weary uh, of his long-term of the Rockets long-term plans of him here. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a Rockets fan last season, seeing your team get destroyed by the Lakers, but seeing your rookie like post up LeBron James and just get a hook shot on him and just like, I don't know, go head to head with LeBron James, like not being scared of him. Yeah, he kind of holds a special place in your in your heart, but you're right. You shouldn't get attacked. Him. He's probably a movable piece to for to get off either John Wall or Eric Gordon. Yeah, I mean, think about like baseball, man. The image of Jose Altuve, the undersized guy standing next to Aaron Judge or other big batters, third base, second base, whatever. You know, Jayshon Tate's the same one. He's the six four post up guy who's playing bully ball with guys he has no business playing bully ball with. I'm enjoying him while he's here. I think he'll be here at least through this year. But again, because of the cheap nature of his contract and his age, I think he's going to be well-suited uh, to be involved in a trade somewhere. Back up small forward. Hey, uh, did you forget Daniel House is on this? The horn, the ever-so-horny Daniel House who just had a baby, so the horniness should subside for a few days, is still on this roster. Yeah. Just, just, How do you feel about that, dude? You know, I still haven't gotten over what he did to us, like, in the middle of the freaking bubble. Like, man, what the hell? I'm still not over that. But you know what? Sometimes he looks good. Sometimes he looks bad. A lot of times he looks like he's on the floor with Eric Gordon. Uh, I don't know. I can't say I'm the biggest fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent to him ever since the Lakers series. I mean, I think had Westbrook been healthy and had he not had like a a late night quarter chub that he needed to get out, the Rockets actually looked pretty good against the Lakers that first game, first game in three quarter of the 2020 bubble playoffs. Um, But because of that and just how he handled himself last year, Injuries, we've kind of forgotten about him. I'm, I'm just indifferent to Daniel House at this point. Awesome for a hometown guy like him 
who wasn't a high lottery pick to find his way home and get a contract here. But, but I don't think his, his future in Houston is uh, anything to get excited about. I think he's another guy who's on the move, a veteran guy who can provide something to a winning team, I think. Uh, much like he did those years in Houston where Harden was here with Westbrook and the second year of CP3. Daniel House is an impact guy, a guy who can make an eight-man rotation on a winning team. And so I think the Rockets will find value for him in trading him to that situation. Let's move on, man, to the guy that I think is the most overlooked player on this Rockets team. I always bring him up. People always tell me that I'm overhyping him. Arash, how does the son of one of the meanest players in NBA history of those New Jersey Nets finals teams, Kenyon Martin's son, the young Kenyon Martin Jr., KJ Martin. How does he make you feel when he's in the game? You know, he's like an exciting piece. He's an exciting player to always watch because no one really knows who this guy is. Just like if you're just like, you know, the other players on the other teams, now they do, but last season they didn't. So, Guys like Gobert, you know, they get shook. They see this little six seven. How tall is he? Six seven, six eight. Six seven. No, he's six five. Are you kidding me? He's six five. They've remeasured him. He's six seven. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so, coming yeah, out of the like draft, he's six five. Yeah, on ESPN, he's still listed at six seven, at six five. But yeah, this guy who's six seven going against the longest guy in the NBA, Gobert. Like, isn't he like the lankiest guy and tallest guy? In the, just the longest guy. Maybe Bull is now. Uh, but, yeah, going against this big guy and just getting like two or three times stuffing him at the rim. Yeah, like he's an exciting player to have. And he's super young. He's only 20 years old. I, I love him. I mean, he's an exciting player to watch. Let me give you a little history on him, man. He played, four, he played four years in high school, decided not to go to the NBA, played prep year for a year. Came to the yeah. NBA, second-round pick, COVID hits, spends the majority of his time in the G League, and then has a little stretch at the end of the year with the Rockets. So for a 19-year-old guy, his rookie year, he really had no experience. Didn't play in the NCAA. Didn't really have a training camp his rookie year because of COVID. Goes to the G League most of the year where he dominates with Kevin Porter Jr. And then when he comes to the Rockets for that last stretch of the season, I think it was the, over the course of 11 or 13 games, he averaged like 19 points, eight rebounds on 50% from the field, 39% from three, and just made things happen anytime he was on the court with his youth, his athleticism. You know, he gets up high. We've talked about him taking heads at the rim. And in fact, when I hear the name KJ Martin, I think about, you know, the ruler of game of Thrones in King's landing, and they're just being spikes with heads all around him. And they're the heads of the big men that KJ Martin has gone after at the rim. And KJ Martin is sitting on the iron throne reveling in his throne because that's what he does when he's in the game. He goes for heads, man. And he go, this guy put yeah, people on posters. So all those things combined, I think with a little more experience and continuity, some coaching, which, you know, the Rockets, this Rockets staff is known for developing their young guys. That's, that's what they're trying to make their MO. And also just being surrounded with other young guys who make the game easier to bust out open and get out in a fast break setting. I think somehow, some way, 
KJ Martin needs to find a way into this rotation because opening night, he only got nine minutes. Uh, he looked good when he was in those nine minutes, but man, I'm excited for him. I think he slept on by the NBA community and even within the Rockets organization. I, I just think he needs an opportunity to shine. And his mentors were probably good too because he was an AAU teammate with uh, Scotty Pippen's kid, I think. So, like, you know, his mentors, like, his dad was a first overall pick. His, I guess, his, one of his best friends' father is Scotty, six time champion, Scotty Pippen. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, his mentors, the guys like speaking to him, you know, the guy who is the guys who he grew up with. They know a lot about basketball, so you know he knows a lot about basketball too. Yeah, he, he's. They've talked about him in the locker room. Um, John Lucas has said this, especially as a guy, as one of those guys who lives, eats, sleeps basketball. Like he watches basketball highlights in his time off. He plays two K uh, when he's at like team dinners. He loves talking about the league and like the finals matchups from last year, NBA theoreticals. Take that how you will. Some people put more stock into it than others. Um, you know, the flip side of that is a guy like Anthony Edwards, who says he doesn't he doesn't watch or like listen to basketball if he's not playing it. So who knows how important that stuff really is? But it definitely factors into who he is as a young guy looking to improve. So KJ Martin, man, I want to see more of him. Give it to us, Silas. So let's move on here, man. Let's go to uh, the guy himself. The rookie, number two pick of the draft, future GOAT, future Rockets legend, current Rockets hot talk. Should we have drafted Evan Mobley? Nah, no bet. We got Jalen Green, number two pick of the draft, rookie season. Many predict rookie of the year. I don't know about all that. Uh, but I am happy that he's a Houston Rocket. So, Arash, tell me about Jalen Green. You had a little GOAT factor for this kid. Yeah, you know, like – I think of a lot of – first of all, I love something that Kendrick Perkins said, to, said about him in, during the summer league. Kendrick Perkins was like, this guy, at his worst, it looks like he's going to be a Jalen Brown. He's going to be a solid guy who's going to be able to get you 25 points per night like in a few years. And, you know, he's a solid guy to have. You, you got Jalen Brown, props to you. You got Jalen Brown. Or at his best, he's a 6'6 Allen Iverson who's got handles. He can shoot. who could take you to the rim. Man, like he is, and he's pretty to watch. His game is pretty to watch. He's got the floater, he's got the step back three, the dribble, dribble three, the dribble, dribble, like take you to the rim. You know, he's an exciting player. A 6'6 six, six, Allen Iverson, that's crazy. Uh, but the goat factor I have for him is, you know, there's always this one thing that sets you apart in, amongst like everyone else in your field. Like you could be, for example, like the surgeon who has the least amount of deaths. You're, goat surgeon you know you're the goat you're there's something about you that makes you a goat for example uh with with zion in my opinion he has a goat factor he is the strongest he's so strong and he's so big he's so athletic that honestly no one in the league can contain him so he has that factor that he's significantly stronger and more athletic than anyone else playing in the league like all of his peers in there uh, there's then Giannis Antetokounmpo, his size, his athleticism at that size is crazy. You know, no one in the league can jump and move and have like hands that big and also a body that's 6'11", 7 foot. 
he's super and could move like that. So that makes him a goat. He has a goat factor. There was the, there is honestly, uh, what do, I'm sorry, uh, like, let's talk about LeBron James. He has a vision, or like James Harden. These guys have a vision that no one in their field has, like a vision that great. So no what's the it, what's like, the what's the goat factor for Jalen Green that you're alluding to? So you know, that you're dancing me along here. Yeah, like I'm sorry for like taking so long on this, but <laughs> Jalen Green. So you see this guy who is six six, who has crazy handles, who is so like talented uh, with his with everything. But then you see him. You're watching. You. I was watching the Spurs game, and I see this guy just jump, like just standing here. And then just go vertically up for, I don't know, like it was it looked like a 45-inch vertical, just like out of nowhere on will to go catch a ball. Sports Center posted about it. This guy just jumps off the ground. I've never seen someone jump off the ground like that in the NBA. It's kind of like DK Metcalf. Just I've, you've, I've never seen someone at that size run a 4-3 in the combine. Like you've, you've never seen that. You know, he sets the record. No one at 230 pounds, 240 pounds on a – Four three for their forty. Mm-hmm. I've never seen someone at six six just standing right here, just go up and grab a ball. That tells me this guy is super athletic too, man. Not only is he super talented, he's super athletic too. I've never seen this in the NBA, or if I have, it's not with a guy who has this much talent with it. So he's gonna have this athleticism and this talent. This guy has a guilt factor, man. He ha- he has potential, in my opinion, and it's again wishful thinking. I'm a fan of the Rockets, but he has the potential to become the GOAT. He has, he's a 6'6", Allen Iverson, who has the athleticism of Michael Jordan with that jump. I mean, not the same exact athleticism, but the vertical tells you a lot. That standing vertical just going up, that's a GOAT factor right there. You know, a lot of times with these elite, fast twitch, muscle fiber athletes, they, they make things look so easy. And, and things do come so easily to them that fans always question. We, we saw this with McGrady. We saw this with another Houston all-time player, Mario Williams, for the Houston Texans. People always say, like, they make it look easy. They make it look like they're not trying. And that tends to be a label on a lot of these high-athlete guys, these tier one elite fast-twitch guys is, man, if they only had the work ethic to match it, and everything we've heard about Jalen Green. And I'm saying all this to preface the knee-jerk reaction that a lot of Rockets Twitter has had in response to Jalen Green's preseason and game one opener that, oh, it's panic mode, guys. Like, he's not scoring 30 every time he's on the court. He's not getting to his spots. Is he, like, bust mode? We should have drafted Mobley. Everyone calm down, right? Everyone who's been around this guy, whether it's his coach in the G League, Brian Shaw, whether it's his NBA teammates in the G League, Jared Jack, a guy who's been in locker room playoffs, a rotation guy in the NBA for years, Bobby Brown, et cetera, et cetera. They've all said that this dude breathes basketball. He never missed a day of practice in the G League, never once let anyone beat him in team sprints, despite being like the best player on the team, despite this 18-year-old kid putting up 18 a game in the G League against grown men. Uh, And the other thing is he was constantly seeking advice, never satisfied, never putting himself above growth. And so if you look at all his interviews, man, he said all the right things. You know, he said his goals are rookie of the year and all defensive team. 
You know, he, he knows, he hears this noise about people saying he's a bad defender, that that's his weakness, that he needs to develop his frame. He hears that, and you better believe if he hears it, he's working on it because he's working on everything he can see on film. And with the brand that is Jalen Green with 1.2 million Instagram followers, he hears that stuff if it's on social media and out there on the internet as well. So, man, Jalen Green, he may not be a rookie of the year this year. Who knows? You know, he may not be the best rookie on the roster this year, but he's going to do everything in his athletic body possesses him to be able to do, to put himself up there at the top. So just give him some time, man. He's a 19-year-old kid. And shout out to, bro, I work in the hospitals. Arasha, I need to let you know this. The hospital community is dominated by Filipinos. And ever since this kid got drafted, I'm like, he's like 50-year-old Filipino moms talking about Jalen Green at work. I'm like, y'all, there's, there's no way y'all were low-key like Hooper fans. But it just turns out they're hyped on their own son of the Philippines, Jalen Green. I think first Filipino NBA player ever. And he's going to show up for that hospital community. I got all the love for my boy, Jalen Green. You got anything to the add only, to that? Uh, yeah, the only thing that kind of scares me about him, honestly, is his Instagram. Because ever since Deshaun, you know, like people who are like too hot on Instagram, sometimes they get in trouble, I feel like. And that's the only, like, you know, they love the Playboy lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Instagram Playboy lifestyle. Uh, I just hope, like, there's no trouble with that. But other than that, yeah, he seems like he loves the gym, so I hope he sticks it more. But I heard the same things about Deshaun, too, you know? Yeah, that's something we can't control, so you just pray it works out in the yeah. best. I'm not going to talk yeah, about – Just, like, stay off the ground. I'm not going to talk about Eric Gordon because I don't think he's the, a part of the future of this team, although he will help someone win games. And, man – Wish him the best. Dude, the mo- honestly, like, the most consistent number two guy on this team – that James Harden had after Dwight Howard left, right? Constantly there for this team. For a, guy, for a guy with injury history, outside of last year, stayed relatively healthy for us. Six man of the year, three-point shootout champion one year while he was here. Constantly stepped up to the plate against the Warriors in those hard playoff series, those deep playoff series that we went against the greatest team of all time with. And, you know, Eric Gordon, I really, really hope, you know, P.J. Tucker left and got his ring. I root more for Eric Gordon to go to a spot where he can win a ring because he's done more for this Rockets organization than I think any player over the course of this last decade, not named James Harden. Uh, and I hope he gets his comeuppances for it. Yeah, he could, fit, he could potentially fit nicely on the Heat as well, I think, for his sure. career, not necessarily like Rockets. There's so many teams that can use a playoff-tested veteran who's a low-maintenance personality, a low-usage guy that can hit the three from 30 feet out, uh, and who can get to the rim still at that age as well. The question is going to be, who's willing to absorb that contract, and what kind of assets are you looking to give up, or have the Rockets attached to that contract to make it more palatable? We'll see. I could also I think... see a buyout, too. No, no. Too many. Too many. Too many years left on his contract for a buyout. Um, let's go to the point guard, man. I'm gonna just I'm gonna have you start this one off. I've got a lot to say about this guy. I'm very high on him. Kevin Porter Jr., man, traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers for for a top 55 protected draft pick, which basically means unless it's one of the last five picks in the draft, you don't get it, and it goes over to next year. So we got him essentially for nothing. 
comes into Houston last year, starts off in the G League, dominates that, comes over into the actual NBA, and drops 50 points, 10 assists on the best perimeter defender in the NBA, and Drew Holiday in the defending champ Milwaukee Bucks, on his way to a show-out 35 games for the Houston Rockets. Now he's the starting point guard of this team full-time with John Wall sitting out. And there's a lot of question marks, man. A lot of question marks like, can he play the point guard position? What is his ceiling? Um, you know, what, what is the best version of KPJ look like? Does he coexist with Jalen Green in the backcourt? There's a lot of questions that we can answer, we can try to answer, but I just want to ask you first, Arash, where do you, by the end of this season, where do you think the NBA sees Kevin Porter Jr.? You know, like, again, as a fan, you, I, think, I think the world of them, to come out, like, on a new team as a very young player after playing in the G League and drop 50 points, I mean, that really raises your potential through the roof. So for Kevin Porter Jr. to, I mean, he had, I think he had a one fifty point game and he had a few 30 point games. I mean, those are big games to have. Those are uh, all-star games to have. Those are superstar games to have. So like he shows flashes and signs of superstar status or, you know, potential best play, like top all NBA player status as a guard, which is very hard. This is a very guard heavy league. You know, you have a lot of guards. So to fit that criteria, it's kind of tough. You know, you, if, you want, if you want to be a top five shooting guard or point guard, that's a tough list to be on. You know, you have James Harden's, you have the Steph Curry's, you have – you got, you got the best, of, you got the best of, of the, like, all-time in the NBA right now. You got the Damian Lillard's. These guys are who you're competing with. But he shows signs that he can compete with those guys. And he's super young, so – Hey, you never know what the ceiling with him is. He could be a future James Harden. He could be a future Mel- Carmelo Anthony. He has the sky's the limit. Yeah, um, he, he's another one of those guys that we just need more tape on, right? He was on Nabil yeah. and I's list for top 10 players under the age of 21. We had him number five on our – no, we had him number six, just missing the top five on our list. You know, he's a 21-year-old kid who's really, like, you look at the total basketball experience he has, and it's not even one full season worth of basketball. He came into the NBA in the 2020 season for the Cavaliers, started out scoring 10 a game, and then COVID hits. Boom. They don't get invited into the COVID bubble because the Cavs aren't good enough. So his rookie year, he only gets like 50 games, and then it's over. Next year, COVID doesn't get a preseason, gets kicked off the Cavs, comes to the Rockets, kind of works his way into the team through the G League, and then gets like 20, 30 games of experience with the Rockets and has, you know, the game that we talk about. He only had one year in college. So Kevin Porter Jr., all in all, really has like a year of college and one full year of basketball experience in the NBA put together. And so that's how we should be judging him. We shouldn't be saying that he's the next James Harden. He's the next superstar of this team. We shouldn't be saying that uh, y'all are overhyping him. We should be saying that he's a six foot five point guard, experimental point guard, because he's never played the position before in his career, who has unreal athleticism, can get to the bucket, can create space, and has an inconsistent jump shot. And we're going to see where he goes with that. I think by the year end, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be like a 17.7 assist kind of guy. 
Um, the comparison I've always made to him to kind of bring Rockets fans back to reality is D'Angelo Russell. A D'Angelo Russell that can get to the rim better and can actually get to the free throw line, which is an anemic part of D'Angelo Russell's game, which is concerning for the guy who runs your offense. You want a, a perimeter playmaker who can get to the line, especially in those crunch time situations and knock down free throws. I think Kevin Porter Jr. has that capability, unlike a D'Angelo Russell. Uh, the other question mark is just going to be turnovers, man. He's got to have a tighter grip on the ball and shooting. Consistency with that three shot. That just comes with time, man. He's 21 years old. Let's see where he goes. I think he had like nine turnovers last night or something like that. <laughs> Eight or nine turnovers. It was crazy. Yeah, and his backup it's didn't hard. help him either. You know, DJ Augustine, he's supposed to be your one real point guard, your veteran on this roster, played basketball here, Fort Ben Hightower. You know, DJ Augustine's turning the ball over too, so I don't want to spend uh, an extended period of time talking about DJ Augustine. I've got one last guy in this list, on this ro- two more guys on this roster we need to talk about, both young Armani Brooks and Joshua Christopher taking up the last two guard spots on this rotation. Anything you want to say about either of them? Armani Brooks, UH alum, broke the NBA record for number of threes uh, in NBA history for a rookie in his first 20 games. I think it was 62 or something along those lines. And then Joshua Christopher, the other 19-year-old that they drafted number 24 overall in the draft. Yeah, I mean, Armani Brooks, you know, that's a Tillman effect, I feel like. so. And it's not a it's not a bad effect sometimes. It's a solid effect to have. You know, you see some players that do well in college that most other teams wouldn't necessarily pay a lot of attention to. It's just University of Houston, just another school. But yeah, these guys are. I mean, we have so many shooting guards, so you can't really see a long term future. We have like I think one, two, three, four, five, five or six shooting guards. So it's kind of like, yeah. You guys, uh, I hope you guys have a good career, but I don't see them like necessarily staying in the NBA that long. Is Armani one of those guys? Yeah, potentially. Like a lot of guys are like so successful, successful in college, and they're they're great, but they end up in Europe. Even the Harrison twins, you know, like they were amazing in high school and college, but they it's hard to keep an NBA job. Yeah. Well, Armani got the four-year deal with Houston. So I think he'll be here at least on the bench. You know, a, a guy who can shoot that well in like a specialist kind of role, you're going to find a spot in this league no matter what. Um, so he'll be at least on the end of this bench for a while. And then Joshua Christopher, man, man, I love this pick. I just stud potential. I love his size. I love his defensive potential. And bro, I didn't know this, but his playmaking potential, he – he gets to his spots, man. That's one thing that jumped out in the preseason about him is anytime the Rockets were struggling to create looks for themselves in the fourth quarter and their offense wasn't flowing, he just put the ball in his hand and he'd, he'd find a way to get a shot in a pretty good spot for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope I hope things work out a lot better than I'm saying. I'm not trying to be harsh with them. Like, like guys who don't give a lot of minutes, it's hard. Like, And they're super young. It's hard to see them keep, keep that – Keep that job. Keep that NBA job. Because, you know, teams want bigger names. So, I, I wish them the best. I hope they stay on the Rockets or improve and keep improving or have bright futures. But I got to be a pessimist sometimes, too, as a fan. 
Well, let's move away from the pessimism and talk about these draft picks because there's, <laughs> there's nothing but optimism that we can employ when it comes to potential team pieces. And bro, between now and 2028, I'm just going to call out every draft pick the Rockets control. And it's pretty scary. So the key thing about these draft picks I'm about to tell you is they are all completely unprotected, meaning that no matter the record of the team, the Rockets own these draft picks, which for the most part in the NBA, teams attach lottery protection, right? The teams attach protections like, hey, if it's a top three pick, we keep it. Otherwise, yeah, you get this pick. For all these draft picks, the Rockets have complete ownership of them. So here we go. 2022, we have our own first-round draft pick. So if we suck this year, and this just turns out to be a year of developing the young guys, we own our own draft pick. It's not going to be like last year where we hold our breath all the way up until the day of the lottery. (laughs) 2022, we also own the right of the Brooklyn or Miami pick, whichever is higher. 2023, we own either our pick or the Brooklyn pick, depending on which is higher. 2023, we also own the Bucks pick. I don't expect that to be anything. You know, it is what it is. Milwaukee's a powerhouse forever. 2024, we have the Nets pick. 2025, the highest of the Nets or the Thunder pick. That could be interesting. 2023, 2026, we have the Nets pick again. 2027, the right to switch with the Nets. And then 2028, our own pick. That's a lot of draft capital for a team with young pieces and salary cap flexibility. And assuming Wall and Gordon are off the books, there's only $58 million on this team and owed salaries for $112 million salary cap. Manny, you've got max cap space available. So you have all these draft pieces. You have max salary cap space. You could easily create another slot of max salary cap space. And all these 19, 20-year-olds on cheap, rookie, team-friendly contracts. Man, it's hard for me to say that there's too many other teams with as favorable of a future set position than the Houston Rockets. And I don't think you would have found anyone saying that last year. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and we've shown to be drafting well, especially since this year. Uh, just Shangun is a guy, like, you're just surprised that he was available and we snagged him. Same with Jalen Green. I mean, I, I think this draft was loaded, so maybe I'm a little biased because of also my, I mean, we haven't seen a lot, so it's not necessarily proven. But we look like we're drafting well and we're picking up the right players. So if we keep this up by – we could be a contender, like, in – just a few years again, because, you know, there's going to be new free agents coming up. You have a lot of rookies. You have a lot of new guys building. You never know. You could even build through the draft and become like the Golden State Warriors or someone like that. Why not? Why not? Four 19-year-olds on the team right now. You have two picks next year that you hopefully will be top 15. And then you have all these draft toys to play with over the next few years. I'm excited, man. I think this year is going to be a fun year. Um, Overall expectations for the Rockets this year is I think they will be a lottery team. I don't think they're playoff ready yet. Just too many young guys, not enough uh, veteran leadership in the backcourt. And it's just going to be a year to kind of see what we have, man. We'll get a pulse on our future pieces and we'll suck enough 
to have that 2022 first round pick mean something. Do you have any closing thoughts on this team, brother? You know, like every year, uh, so like not all the players on our team are going to be great, but sometimes some of these, one or two of these players are, is eventually going to be great. Either Jalen Green, KPJ, Shangun, Christian Wood, one of these guys is going to be a superstar. So I'm just excited for the future of the Rockets because at the very worst, I'm expecting one or two of these guys to flourish is something super fun to watch for the next few seasons. And I'm sure they will. One or two of them will. Maybe all four of them. Maybe all five of them. Who knows? Yeah, as long as, as long as the Houston Rockets aren't the Houston Texans, there's some measure of success, yeah. right? I feel like as a Houston franchise, yeah. over the course of the last two decades, every team has always fought, fought their way out of the pit to not be at the bottom of shitness in Houston sports. And there's been a lot of shit that we've had to dig out of these uh, canals recently of Houston debacles and famous blunders. And right now it looks like the Texans have dug themselves pretty deep and the Houston Rockets, although they may be in a hole, there's a little bit of light peering into the shithole that they're in. So there you have it. Two honest Houston sports fans, two old Iranian men whose bodies ache, even while recording this podcast in the comfort of our own homes. Rush, keep doing your thing, daddy. Boys in med school doing big things. Soon to be a physician of the Houston Rockets. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. Always a fun time to be on this podcast. Big fan of the podcast. And there you have it. Go Rockets, man. Bye. Yeah.